Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. The ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation, the power, and the kingdom of our God, the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. You can be seated. The word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are king, that you are in authority, and that you have the power to conquer the enemy. And Father, we thank you that you have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. And Father, we thank you that we testify to you alone as the one for salvation. Father, we thank you and praise you for this church as it is a light in this community And in OKC, and Father, we thank you for what you're doing here. The joy that you bring to our hearts, the blessings that you bestow upon us. And Father, we pray that we could testify to your great name, for it is great. And Father, we ask that this week would be glorifying to you in what we do and what we say and who we are. And Father, we know that we have entered into a battle. And Father, we cannot win that battle. But we know that you can. So we trust you with that. Father, speak to us this morning through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I went to a Hope Pregnancy um, event the other night and I was blown away by the work that God is doing through the people in these clinics who are who are working with people who are broken and hurting and pointing them to the light you know one of the one of the great things that they do in these these hope pregnancy clinics is is they show the people their baby that's one of the first things they do is give them an ultrasound they see the heartbeat they see the the reality of the child in the womb they see the hands the feet and the eyes and the head they shine a light on the child and guess what that person sees the beauty of God's creation and are changed They take them out of the unknown and what would be done in darkness and bring it into the light. They share with these people that there is a path to life. 
in this event. They gave many testimonies of, of lives that have been changed and people going through their clinic and seeing you know, these little children that they are holding. And guess what? We see in this passage the enemy the one who's called the great deceiver, the deceiver of the whole world, and he's twisting things around in the darkness, causing confusion and chaos so that people believe that there is no other way. He's also mentioned as the one who accuses day and night. He accuses actually the believers day and night. Al Mohler um, gave an illustration when he was preaching one time and he put it this way. He said the, the enemy is the, the great deceiver and at the same time he is the accuser. He's the one who whispers in the ear of a person as she enters into the abortion clinic. It's your life. It's your body. This would be inconvenient for you. You're not ready to start a family and guess what? He's deceiving her all the way. And at the same time when she exits the clinic, he's still there. And yet this time he is the accuser. How could you do that to your child? Making you feel guilty and shame and hopeless. And yet right then and there, that's where Christ comes in and says, No! I have paid for your sin on the cross. He may not accuse you any longer. Satan, you have no rights here. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the proclamation of God. The authority of Christ has come. This is the freedom in Christ. This is the testimony of those who have been freed from the bondage of darkness and crossed over to the kingdom of light through the blood of the Lamb. And they testify to this in Christ. His love that He showed them upon the cross. You know, in this section of Scripture, it's an interesting section. There's different questions that theologians wrestle with and, and I've got my opinions on them as well, but Today we're really going to focus on what this passage shows us about God's people in all places and at all times and the battle that's being waged today. You see, there's a struggle, a battle that's been happening with God's people and Satan that begins in the Garden of Eden with the ancient serpent deceiving mankind. And we know how that will end as the ancient serpent is thrown into the lake of fire. But as God gives grace, he's waiting for that time and people to be saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ until the proper time. If you look in verse 17 in chapter 12, he ends this section, Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. You see right there, we are the ones that hold to the testimony and the dragon is making war with us. 
Let me catch you up on chapter 12 because you have to know what's introduced to in this section. Some characters here in this section, the dragon who is Satan. There's a woman actually in the first part of chapter 12 who we see as Israel, a representative of Israel who's waiting to give birth to a son. This child is the one who will rule with a rod of iron. We see this as Christ as the one who rules with a rod of iron. I'll read that to you in chapter 12, verse 1. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on the heads were seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God and where she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now, I could preach on this passage for about um, seven times up here, but I'm not going to. We're, We're focusing in a different direction. But it is the story of the Bible unfolding right here in Revelation. God's chosen people, Israel, the woman with the 12 tribes whom the Messiah would come through, the one who would rule as the king Guess what? The dragon knows he is coming. As God said in Genesis 3.16, this one who is coming will crush the head of the serpent. The dragon knows that he is coming. So we have Satan trying to thwart God's plan of the Messiah coming. We see this in Scripture. Herod trying to kill all the babies in Bethlehem. Who do you think is behind that? Then he tries to kill Jesus himself, tempting him to throw himself off the temple in the wilderness. Then later, the mob tries to throw him off a cliff in his hometown of Nazareth. Who do you think is behind all of those things? But God wins, right? Christ actually gives his life up on the cross and then resurrects from the dead sin and death are defeated and the child is caught up with God on his throne and that brings us to this next session which gives us a a peek behind the curtain if you will at see what God is doing and what the battle is being waged in heaven verse 7 says this, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. This is our first point this morning in this section of Scripture. The enemy is the deceiver of the whole world. Guess what? If you didn't know already, you have entered into a battle. 
Remember in the garden, Satan's main target, mankind. God's perfect creation. This is what he goes after. He knows that his time is short, so he goes after God's prized possession. And guess what? We ourselves cannot defeat the enemy. We cannot defeat sin or death on our own. Ephesians 2 puts it like this. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Not only were we dead in our sins, walking around, but also we were following the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself. But the Bible calls mankind followers of Satan. Guess what? That's who we were before we met the one who fights on our behalf. Let me re- continue to read in Ephesians 2. But God, there's an interjection there. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, we're powerless against the enemy, and yet God in his grace and mercy fights for us. Ultimately sending Christ to take any power that the enemy had, any accusation that the enemy could say, away from him. So we have this this battle that's being waged up in in heaven, we get a glimpse of that as Michael is the archangel who fights for the Lord and his angels are fighting against Satan and the angels who fell with Satan. What it doesn't tell us in this text of scripture is when this battle occurs, some commentators speculate that this is the final battle. Others believe that this was the original fall of Satan. Others believe this battle was waged sometime after the resurrection of Christ. But what we do see in this passage is the Lord fights against the enemy and he wins and they are tossed out of heaven verse 9 actually describes satan himself and the great dragon was thrown down the ancient serpent who is called the devil and satan the deceiver of the whole world he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him now he gives four parts of the description of satan number one the dragon describes his ferocity and terror Number two, the ancient serpent is description of the deception of the serpent in the Garden of Eden deceiving mankind into going against God. The serpent says in the Garden, did God really say? The devil literally means the accuser or the slanderer and we see his accusing before God night and day 
over the sins of mankind and Satan, his proper name, which means the enemy. He is thrown down to the earth. I, I don't know if I can make sure you understand this enough. But the, the battle that we as the church, the people of God face, is a real battle. People's lives, their eternal destiny is at stake. I believe what we understand, need to understand is the reality of this battle. As Peter warns us in 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Four methods of deception I see in our world today. Number one, the American dream is something to place our faith in. That's a deception in today's world. People will give up their family. They'll give up their health. They will sell their soul to make money for the American dream. They will pursue their career. They will pursue their job. They will do anything that it takes for fame or value from a worldly perspective for this dream. And it is a downright lie as it will never quench the desire and the delight that the Lord gives his people when they understand who he is and walk with him. Until they understand the love that God has for them, they will never be satisfied. Number two, the deception I see in our world today that Christianity is all about me. You see, Christianity is all about Christ. It's about God's glory being shown through the justification of sinners. And we as Christians are here to glorify God. Sometimes we feel as if this God should glorify us in making our life great. And yet Christ says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You see, it's not about me. The church is not about me. It's about Christ, his desires, and his glory. Number three, a deception I see in our world today. God doesn't care if I continue to live in sin. Who cares what I do? I can do what I want. You see, the Bible clearly does say that God does care. Even mentions the grieving of the Holy Spirit. You see, the believer who believes upon Christ and continues to reject the grace of God, the love of God by continually living in sin, dishonors the name of Christ. Ephesians 4 says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become calloused and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to every kind of practice of impurity. But that is not the way that you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus 
to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That is a lie from Satan that Christians can just do whatever they want and it's okay. It's not what the Bible says. We have been given the Spirit to live out our faith in Christ. Number four, the last deception the enemy gives that I see in our world today is this. There is more than one way to get to God. This is the deception of Satan, of false religions, false teachings. He's led people away from God. Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, all the major religions of the world are a result of the deception of the enemy. In today's world, in our community today, the postmodern thought process, the postmodern philosophy of no absolute truth, this is what we battle the most. Which is, I believe this way, and that's fine with me. You believe your way, and that's fine. Well, what that creates is that there is no absolute one authoritative God because I become my own God and I make up my own rules. Acts 4.11 says this, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone, and there is, no, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's a lie of Satan that there's more than one way to God. It's only through Christ. So now that we've talked about this enemy, we get to talk about God declaring victory. Amen? And this is what he does. He declares the victory over the adversary, over the enemy. Verse 10, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night. Before our God. This is the second point this morning. The kingdom of God has come, bringing salvation through Christ. The kingdom of our God has come, bringing salvation through Christ. I love the imagery here in verse 10 as he's declaring the one who was to come throughout the Old Testament, pointing us to this one who would set us free from sin, who would be the king, who is the one to declare the kingdom of God. You see, the, the first thing the voice declares in heaven is the victory in salvation. Right? You, you, you hear this over and over in Scripture. The angel, as, as the, he comes down to the shepherds as this baby is born on the earth, the shepherds, as, as Jesus is born, the angel says to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news 
of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Angels declaring salvation has come to earth. Titus 2.11 says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. They're not only proclaiming this salvation, but also the power, which I believe comes through the Holy Spirit. You see this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will give testimony about me through the power of the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 1.7, which we studied not too long ago, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. After salvation and power are declared, then the voice declares the coming of the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 says, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. All of this, the kingdom of God coming, plus the authority of his Christ have come. And when Jesus resurrects from the dead, not only dies on the cross giving his life, but then resurrects from the dead as he's declaring his authority to the disciples, he says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then what does he say? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Go and testify and teach about me. Christ has defeated Satan. The kingdom has come. The salvation has come. He has no right to accuse the believers before the throne of God. Look at what it says here. In, in the second part, and the authority of Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. The brothers here is a clear reference to the church, the brothers and sisters in Christ. And he sits there and the enemy accuses them day and night like a courtroom scene, bringing their sin and their unworthiness before a holy and righteous God, the holy and righteous judge. But guess what? His accusations have no power. All of our sin was paid for. We are declared righteous. Not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the Spirit. You see, both God and Satan point out our sin. 
Isn't that interesting? Satan accuses and then condemns. God calls it out and then he redeems it through Christ. Let's look at verse 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. This is our last point this morning. The church overcomes the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That was a beautiful song, by the way, Christy. You sung earlier. The church overcomes the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Want to know how to change a community? Want to impact darkness? Shed light? It's right there. Testify to Christ. Notice the overcoming does not come about by how good we are or what we have done. It is the precious and righteous blood of the Lamb, the substitutionary atonement for sin, and the testimony that we believe and place our trust in Christ alone. We do not trust in what we have done or how righteous we are. Rather, we trust in Christ. You, you see the enemy hurling. You can imagine the enemy hurling his accusations in our direction. Bringing forward into our mind. Bringing forward into what we see as our sin. Those things in which we're not proud of. That we're shameful for. And yet we need to turn and say, you're right, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy, but Christ paid my debt. And I'm declared righteous because of what he did, not what I've done. You see, Satan's mouth has been shut because we have been washed. We are white as snow. Satan has been silenced. As it says in Romans 8.33, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? And in Colossians 2, 13, it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is the gospel. It is the, the good news that Christ completely disarmed the in enemy's ammunition. Sin and death are defeated. 
And so was the enemy on the cross. You see, when Jesus ushered his last words upon the cross, he meant it. It is finished. Finished.